Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. So happy you're with us today. We're in an amazing study from Warren Litzman on the gospel of deliverance. It's really amazing and fascinating, and it helps you to learn more about living today, even though these epistles were written a zillion years ago. The Apostle Paul's epistles, what a blessing they are, and no one can explain them better than Warren Litzman. Let's get right into it. This is part number seven of the Gospel of Deliverance. Here's Warren. You're not like anybody else God dealt with. That first group of people that God said will be my people, they're not His children. Israel will never be the children of God. They can be called that one place they are, but they'll never be the children of God. Israelites and Jews that are born again are the ones that are His children because you must be birthed by a father to be a child, and He must birth a child to be a father. Israel has never been birthed, was never birthed. They were created by God. But you see, when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, a marvelous thing took place. You are birthed by God. See, the Gentiles had never had that. They'd never had a Savior. They'd never had a Father. So that's why Paul is called the Apostle to the Gentiles. But he goes to the Jew too, and he preaches to them and tells them they too must be born again. Because the gospel, this new gospel of Christ in you, the hope of glory, belongs to everyone who believes. Everyone. That's why the word Gentile is there. You see what he says? He says, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. So Paul's message is a distinctive message to help you. It's distinctive to anybody. But you never consider yourself much being a Gentile. A Jewish person always considers himself being a Jewish person, but a Gentile hardly ever considers that. They say, well, I'm Irish, I'm, I'm uh, Mongolian, or I'm German, or I'm Scotch. Those are ethnic groups. Those are not lineages. Those are ethnic groups. A lot of ethnic groups. But you're an offspring of God. You've been birthed by God. You're a Gentile to whom God gave a whole new ministry. The new ministry didn't come to Israel. The new ministry didn't come to the early church. The new ministry came to Gentiles whom Paul raised up and gave a gospel to to minister to the Gentiles and include whosoever would. So that's why the word Gentile, he is a prisoner to the Gentiles first. That's the first word we consider. The next word we are to consider is in verse 2. He says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. You don't know how important that little verse is. I read over it years and never thought about it being anything but format material in this context. What he says here is that God has given me a dispensation of grace. Not law. Grace. 
to give to these Gentiles, to these people who have never had a gospel, who were unwanted, unclean before in God's plan. A dispensation of grace, he says, is given to me to give to you. Let's talk about grace for a moment. That's the biggest word in the Bible. Grace. It's also the most unknown word because it's the most commingled word there is in religion. Hardly anybody can preach anything without mentioning the word grace because it is so predominant in the Scriptures. But to know what grace means on the basis that there's a dispensation of grace which has to do with that word Gentiles, that dispensation, a whole period of time has been set aside by God whereby He can operate in humanity by grace. Let's talk about the first act of grace you ever participated in. When you were in need and asked God to save you, He didn't just come with a feeling, emotional feeling. He didn't come just allowing you to say, yeah, I prayed it. I asked somebody sitting by you saying, now, did you really mean that what you said? Yes, I really meant I wanted to be saved. I want to be a Christian. Okay, you're a Christian. That's what we see on this end. But you know what God did at that same time? At that same time, He put His sperm in you in an act of love, in the highest, greatest act of love that could ever be committed. He put His seed in you. He didn't ask you a word about it. He didn't ask you if He could. You know why? The placing of the God seed in a human being is not based on the human being. It's based on Christ's death on the cross. When Jesus said, It is finished, that's what was finished. God could birth His own children. He could be a daddy to a part of humanity that had never even been included in any kind of salvation. That was you. That was me. So now we're in that dispensation of grace and every person that is saved has God to bring them into a legal aspect of His family. You're not only birthed into this family, but you are adopted because the family has already been in existence and has many heirs. The moment you were saved, God removed all your past and made you a bona fide heir. That's why the Scripture talks about the adoption of children. What does that mean? That means that nobody saved gets any more of God's possessions than you. You don't come in as an ignoramus or a wart. You come in as a full-fledged, bona fide offspring of the Heavenly Father. You're not just birthed into the family, but now adopted. That's your background. That's who you are to God. And when He sees us reveling in our old life, I think Jesus, when He sees us like that, thinks about the story He told of the prodigal son. He said, they're still acting like the prodigal son. They're still thinking about all their self, themselves, what they've lost. What's happened to them? 
No. A dispensation of grace has been given to the Apostle Paul. But the reason why I make this verse so important, there are three other verses that says this same thing in Paul's writings. But it's so important because he said, God gave me this message to give to you. You know what that means? Nobody else has it. He didn't give it to anybody else. There's not one word of prophecy. In 4,000 years of the Old Testament, there's not one word of prophecy about God birthing His own children. A lot of words about Jesus dying for our sins, but not one word about you being a bona fide child of God. You see how important that is? You see how important you are to God? He did all this at the cross. He took care of your old life at the cross because you were in Christ when He died, you died. Your old life died. And when He resurrected, you came forth in new life. And the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, those things became a part of you. You can't get over your old life and your old way of doing things if you don't know who you are in Christ. You've got to know that. Or you'd be butting your head against a brick wall every time you want to overcome and do better. It won't work. Also, the Apostle Paul is the only one in the Bible that God gave that information to. Nobody else. He gave it to me, Paul says, to give to you. To whoever reads that, to whoever believes that, to whoever is born again, He gave it to you. Maybe you've been asking for the wrong things. Maybe you've been asking to get out of the hole you're in when all the time you're sitting on a flower cloud of ease in God's plan. God sees you one way, and you see yourself another way. That's a struggle. That's a real struggle. So the word grace is a big word. I'm hard on some areas. Because there's no use messing around religiously with the Scriptures. They either say it or they don't say it. But I'm going to tell you this about God's birth children. Even if they don't live it, even if they don't understand it, even if they don't have a full mind of who they are in Christ, you know what God will do by grace? He'll help you. He'll help you once. He'll help you twice. He may even help you three times out of a deep hole you've fallen into. But at some point, I've seen him draw the line. He'll draw the line at some point. Because this is an action of love. This is not Moses' law. This is an action of love. This is a situation where, if you love me, do what I ask you to do. This is where he says, I've loved you to the uttermost. Can you return some love to me? At some point, the line may be drawn. Does Jesus leave you? No. 
Do you get out of your hole? Maybe not. Maybe not. You're still there. You're still wrestling with it. Because in the final analysis, it's all about love. Whether you love yourself or whether you love this Christ that's in you. That's where the big choice is going to come sooner or later. Who do you love? So you could just throw caution there and say, well, there's no doubt about it. I love me more than I do him. I'm in a jam and I'm going to do what I've always done. I'm going to be the old me. That's a foolish choice. You say, well, if I took any other choice, it would hurt me. <coughs> sure it will. You're never going to do something to your identity that doesn't hurt. Painful. Let's take another word. Go to verse 3 here. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words. Those few words were probably over in Galatians 1, where Paul said, When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me. To reveal His Son in me. Revelation. You've been wondering what you need to do? I'm going to tell you now what you need to do. You need to have a revelation of this Christ that's in you. You need something to happen to you on God's part that's bigger than anything else that's happening to you. And it's offered. It's offered to you. For instance, you're in a mess. You're having trouble overcoming. You're going to the dogs for the day. And if all of a sudden you could pray and Jesus of Nazareth would come down and take you by the arm and say, I tell you what, we're not going to walk into any more trouble today. I'm going to walk with you arm in arm. And we're going to walk through this. And I'm going to get you out of it. You know what? You'd do that. You'd get out of it for the day. You'd get out of it because, my, this is big here. Jesus is right here beside me. God's Son is right here. <coughs> But there's something wrong with that. There's something greatly wrong with that illusion. And that is, ever since you've been a Christian, He's been in you, closer than arm to arm, hand to hand, side by side. He's been in you. So why doesn't God send Jesus down every time you get in trouble and say, Oh, God, come and help me. Why doesn't He send Jesus down, pick you up, take you out of the hole, set your feet on ground and walk with you away and get you out of the mess? Why doesn't He do that? Because that's impossible. 
Christ is already in you. He's been in you ever since you were saved. He didn't come and go. He didn't leave you when you got in a mess. He didn't forsake you when you didn't know which way to turn and when you turned the wrong way. He didn't leave you. So what do you got to do? You got to change your mind. But you need help. You need help to do that. And your help comes from the blessed Holy Spirit. See, He's with you too. He's the one you don't know much about when you get in trouble because He's a dove. I mean, He doesn't stir up an argument. He doesn't fuss with you. He doesn't argue. He works in your mind. He's God's gift to you. You're filled with Him. But He's the last you begin to think of because His main purpose is to teach you that Christ that's in you. So you know what? There's a miracle that needs to take place. And that miracle is already set in you. It's not something to come. It's not something to pray for. It's already set in you. Because the moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit was there too. He was there to take over your soulish mind to help you. To teach you. It's called a revelation. Ephesians 1 and 17, Paul says, I'm praying for you that you'll have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. That's one scripture you want to lay hold of. There's another scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 7, where Paul says, I cannot see, ear cannot hear, and heart cannot feel. Listen to me now. You can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't feel the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, we all are emotional. You go to places and they talk about the Holy Spirit giving you great feeling. But this is something much deeper than that. It goes beyond the emotions. He says, I cannot see, ear cannot hear, and heart cannot feel the things that God hath prepared for those that love Him. But these things are revealed. There's your key word. They are revealed unto you by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Revealed. When you pray, talk to the Holy Spirit some. Say, Holy Spirit, how about getting to work in me? How about moving around in my mind? I'm all mixed up sometimes. I don't know head and tail. Teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Because my mind is a flutter. My mind is not set. I'm not fixed in mind to this Jesus that lives in me. So teach me. Ask Him to do that. He'll do it. You can talk to Him. He's not the one you really pray to. You pray to your Heavenly Father. You give thanksgiving and praise to Jesus that's in you. But you talk to the Holy Spirit. You take this Bible down and say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this Scripture. Teach it to me. 
He don't say anything. Go on and say, well, I put that on a shelf, Holy Spirit. Bring it back to me later. He will. He's very personable. He's in you. You're filled with Him. When you give Him attention, He fills you up with Christ. He teaches you Christ. Now, the revelation that Christ is in you, which is your real life, comes in many different ways. It's way beyond me to be able to spell out the ways. In my years, it has been impossible to have a stereotype method. How you get a revelation. And I put it like that because when the revelation begins, it's a startling thing. It's a startling thing because the Holy Spirit says to you, Christ is in you. That's a startling thing. You've never heard that before in your consciousness. That's how it starts. I remember when it first happened to me, and I don't like to talk about me, but it's an illustration to help you see revelation. I have been for two years waiting before God for what it was, it was the end of Paul's understanding, the revelation of Christ in me. Two years I'd waited before God. I preached most every night. And on this particular night, I was in the, in the uh, hotel in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. And I was laying across my bed with my Bible in my hand. I was preaching a meeting there, a crusade in the, in the downtown auditorium in Atlanta, Georgia with over 50, 60 churches back in supporting the meeting. I was there for their special Easter promotion, whatever. And all of a sudden, my Bible lit up in the first chapter of Ephesians. Like neon letters. Now, this is me. It'll never happen to anybody else like that, I don't think, because God is so great, He doesn't have to do the same thing twice. But my Bible just sort of lit up to me like I was in the Spirit, and I saw the Scriptures light up to me, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Christ lives in you. Just that simple. I so rejoiced, I picked my Bible up and threw it up in the air, and it hit the ceiling. <laughs> that night I had to preach, and I couldn't do it. Had a big auditorium, hundreds of people there. About uh, 60 or 100 preachers sitting behind me on the platform, all waiting to see what would come out of my mouth. And I got up, and I couldn't say a word. This thing had happened to me greater than anything had ever happened to me. And you know what I did? I just opened my Bible and started reading, slowly reading the first chapter of Ephesians. Just started slowly reading it. And a holy hush came over that audience. All of a sudden I heard somebody praying behind me and outside of my eye, preachers would turn around and knelt at their chair and start praying. I read another verse or two and I noticed people out in the audience start turning around and start praying. Unbelievable. I was just reading the Scripture. Finally, by the time I got near the end of the chapter, almost everybody in that auditorium had turned around and knelt at their seat. All the preachers were praying behind me. And you know what? That prayer meeting went for three days for many of those people who never left that auditorium. 
day or night for three days. Atlanta newspapers even commented on it. That's how it affected me. They saw something that had taken place in my life that was different. And I had been edging up to this service and uh, this subject in my teaching and preaching there in Atlanta already. I'd gone there for ten nights. I stayed five weeks. Unbelievable meeting. Great things took place. But it was a revelation of Jesus Christ in me. It was me that had, had a great change. All of a sudden, it wasn't me as Litzman anymore. It was Christ as Litzman working through me. That's what awaits you. But it won't happen to you like that. And you won't be in the place I was in. But you're in a place here now where the Scriptures wrote. For two years I stayed in Paul's epistles. I stayed there for two years. And when those Scriptures began to open up to me, I could see that the essence of Christianity was not churches, was not doctrine, was not preachers was not missions, was not revivals. The essence of Christianity was that God could now reveal to people that Christ lived in them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and works in your life that He might reveal the Son in you. Well, we have to stop for now, but we'll pick up right here next week, so please be with us. You know, as we say from time to time, Warren's dream was that the last person on earth would hear this in Christ, this Christ-like message. We're trying our best to fulfill that dream for him with this podcast and other things going on. And if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to tell others, tell your family and friends about this and bring them into this fold, this Christ life fold. It's life-changing. Have them listen to the podcast each week. Also, don't forget to go to our website, Christ-Life.org. Read all about us. Go to the bookstore. Find some of these great teachings that you can own yourself that Warren left behind. Robbie Litzman allows us to go into the archives each week to bring you these wonderful teachings from Warren. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the great Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.